This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros, and top instructors are right here every week on Next on the Tee. Join Chris as the greats of the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back in making his fifth appearance with me here on Next on the Tee, like I say, is my favorite author and one of my favorite individuals, period, and that is Keith Hirschland. Keith has become a wonderful friend of the show over the last few years. He's an Emmy Award-winning TV producer. He produced shows for ESPN, ESPN2, the Golf Channel. He was among the original people that started the Golf Channel back in 1995. He's also written three wonderful books, first of which is Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, Tales of the Tube from a Broadcast Brat, which is, like I say, my all-time favorite book. He's also written two other great books, Big Flies, and the newest one is titled The Flower Girl Murder, which is getting rave reviews and winning awards absolutely everywhere. And I am thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Keith. Thanks for coming back on the show. How are you, my friend? Oh, my gosh, Chris. Uh, I I have to thank you. It's always a great pleasure to be on your show. I know we're going to have an enjoyable and interesting conversation. um, And it's always one of, you know, it's my great honor to join you. But before we get started, I just have one bone to pick. And it's not with you. It's with our friend Matthew Lawrence. What what is this nonsense about being on hiatus? Right. The the man the man needs a break. I mean, what (laughs) golf is being played year round now? Can't he do backspin golf year round? I think we need to have a conversation with him. Agreed. This is exactly what I'm (laughs) saying. I can't believe when I heard him say that he was going to go on hiatus, and he wasn't even sure when he was coming back from that hiatus. I told him. I told him, you know, you're you're a you're killing my Sunday mornings. You're giving me nothing to look forward to with respect to golf shows on the weekend. And you can't even tell me when you're coming back. Agreed. We need to get him on the phone. Yeah, well, he's he's awesome. And, you know, you're the best. He's, you know, he's, he's if you're one, he's 1A. And uh, the, both both shows are incredible listens. And, and for the folks that are tuning in, I know they know that. But uh, I re- highly recommend uh, uh, your show. And, of course, anytime you can listen to Matthew when he goes to work. Indeed. Thank you for saying that, Keith. All right, so Keith, a lot of exciting things going on with all of your books since we last spoke. So catch us up. Tell us what's going on and some of the things, particularly with the Flower Girl murder. Like I say, every time I turn around twice, it's winning an award. Yeah, it's amazing. It's been the reception has been. I, you know, I'm I'm extremely flattered and humbled. You know, I never really set out to be to be an author, but the more that people read the book and the the various. Uh, folks in the publishing and, and book writing and reading industry take a look at it and decide to tell me that it's, you know, it's in the top 10 list of this or in the, you know, in a finalist for this award or winning this award. I, it's just always, it's a, it's a constant source of amazement for me. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled. And, and I have news about Cover Me Boys I'm going into. As you know, you know, we published that book in 2013. And now after, you know, half a dozen years, it looks like, uh, Beacon Publishing Group has decided that they want to take a look at the book and are going to be the official publisher of 
cover me boys i'm going in so we're in the process right now of uh of getting that book ready to get um launched by beacon publishing group and and pretty soon that'll be in bookstores and libraries and and all over the world courtesy of courtesy of them so um that's exciting news too so things are things are going great guns and looking forward to you know getting book number four out that i'm about halfway through right now so it's all good yeah that's all fantastic news now you know, the best news of all of that is book number four is halfway done. Can you give us any hint about what the topic might be? Well, you know, it's I, I, I kind of went outside the box a little bit on this one. It's another mystery, but, um, you know, I hope that it, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, and I hope that people will enjoy it. it. And just to give you a little bit of a taste, it revolves around a detective named Murphy Murphy, who solves crimes out of the Department of Redundancy Department. And what he has, his case, his current case is with a rock band called Serious Crisis, who seems to have things belonging to each member of the band go missing along the way while they're on tour. And he's being called in to solve the mystery. And as he does, I'm trying to weave in every single redundant phrase that I've ever heard that drives me crazy into the book. So, um, like I said, I'm trying to have a little fun with it. And I hope readers will have a little fun with it, too. Ah, that's fantastic. I can't wait. Good luck on finishing the rest of the book, and I hope it's soon because I look forward to reading it. Keith, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on the news that Johnny Miller is going to be retiring. When you look at the body of his work, what's what's been your opinion of uh, of his talents behind uh, behind the microphone? And then uh, when when you look at Paul Azinger taking that over, good choice, bad choice? What are your thoughts? Um, well, to start with Johnny, I mean, what a what a run. You know, the guy was a great player, obviously, and, and when he hit the scene as a television personality, he really was that. He was a personality, and I think uh, really kind of established the bar for bringing his personality to the broadcast booth, and, and other people tried to do that, and most weren't as good at it. Um, you know, he took a lot of criticism took a lot of criticism from players you know he took a lot of criticism from viewers uh you know it, it was kind of one of those things like you know like the new york yankees you either loved him or you hated him but there was no in between and uh he had basically you know been the the anchor for that nbc golf broadcast for years and years and years and and pretty much the show ran through johnny it was kind of everybody kind of deferred to johnny's opinion it's saying you know that you get famous you know kind of uh, folks laugh about, you know, Roger Malby, who's a tremendous on-course announcer, or Gary Koch, who I was fortunate enough to w- work with in the early 90s on ESPN Golf. You know, it's like, well, what do you think, John? Or, well, that's right, John. Or, you know, that you know, whenever Johnny said something, there was never any, you know, actually, John, that's not what's happening. It was always, that's right, Johnny, or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which was kind of, you know, it turned into kind of a funny thing. But Johnny, you know, I mean, 99 times out of 100, what he said was pretty spot on. So, you know, he was a little rough around the edges, but that made that NBC golf show entertaining and, and fun to watch. And, you know, I think Zinger brings some of those same qualities to the broadcast booth. He's, you know, he's incredibly intelligent, knows the game, clearly has the resume, is a great guy, and, you know, is a little bit rough around the edges, which I think that I think golf fans like and I think golf viewers like. The only thing I'm a little disappointed in is the fact that they can't find somebody new. They can't, you know, I mean, I, I love Zinger and I love his work and I think he'll be a great addition, but he's already doing golf for Fox. Granted, it's only, a, you know, a couple of events a year, 
But I think there are a number of guys out there that uh, may not be getting an opportunity or may have to wait for their opportunity. Guys like Jeff Ogilvie or, or maybe an Ernie Els or, you know, even David Duvall or Justin Leonard, who seem to be the ones being groomed by NBC for this role. And now, you know, they're not going to get that shot because, you know, Zinger's going to be there. And for all intents and purposes, it seems to me like he's going to be there for a long time because he's got the energy and he's a young guy and, and he's, he's really good. Keith, uh, can you to project out a little bit further? You're right. I think he's, you know, obviously Zinger is going to come on, and he's God knows how long his run will be. Johnny had 29 years, but when you look out on tour, can you project? Are there guys out there playing today that you think, you know, boy, I bet you he would make a really good announcer one day? Man, that's a tough one, Chris. And that was one of the things that we struggled with all the time at Golf Channel because, you know, in addition to us being, you know, the the small fish. In, in the in the pond, you know, with maybe not quite as much money and certainly not not anywhere near as much visibility, you know, we we would spend every year. I remember a group of us, uh, the production folks and and the folks on what we call the green carpet, the the management, and we we basically pour through uh, PGA Tour, Buy.com, Nike Tour, LPGA Tour media guides, looking for. You know, that player that was, you know, kind of on the cusp of maybe not quite being so successful anymore, but looking for something to do, especially in the men's game when we were doing it. It was like this transitional period between early 40s at the time and then, you know, 50 for the for the champions tour, the senior tour. And going through these, you know, it's like, how many wins do they have to have? And what do they have to have? And are they good looking enough? And, you know, can they, you know, speak English? And so when you look now, you know, the problem now as well is that guys don't stop playing in that mid 40s range. Guys are still really competitive in that mid 40s range as they turn 50 and, you know, look to go and play on the PGA Tour champions. So we, you know, we, we struggled with that. And, you know, I remember, you know, a funny story was we were televising, a, I think it was the Buy.com tour at the time. I think with Nike, then, then Buy.com, Hogan, Nike, then Buy.com. And Kurt Byram was, was playing, um, still playing full-time on that tour and still going to Q School every year and trying to get his way back onto the PGA tour. And I, during a pro-am one day, walked up to him out of the blue and asked him point blank. I said, you know, Kurt, have you ever thought about doing TV? And I swear to you, Chris, he looked at me like I had just insulted his mother. Wow. He gave me this look like, you think I'm done playing? You think I'm not good enough to play and I have to go and, and do television work? And I, you know, and I, I, he said, he said, I'm not done playing yet. And I went back, you know, a little bit later, and I found him again, and I apologized. And I said, Kurt, I meant no disrespect. I just, you know, you're a good-looking guy. You've got, you know, PGA Tour wins on your resume. You've won a number of times out here on this tour. And I just thought, you know, as I'm looking toward the future, um, you know, who's going to be around and who's going to be that person that thinks they might want to do TV? So, we, you know, we laughed a little bit about it. And quite frankly, and then two weeks later, he sought me out. And he said, you know what? I've been talking to Cindy about it, his wife. And if you're serious, I'd like to give it a try. And, you know, the rest is history. I mean, he's one of the best best guys, I think, one of the best guys they've got on the golf channel. So to answer your question, to look forward, it's always, 
always a tough call, and it's always one of those things where you wonder if a guy is really committed to doing the work of doing TV and is really committed to, once he's not playing, does he really want to travel 20, 15, 20, 22 weeks a year and be around golf but not playing? It's a tough call. It's a really hard hard one. What about Mickelson? That's the guy that comes to yeah. my mind. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people say that. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know Phil. I don't know Phil very well personally. I don't know. You know, seems to me like Phil's got a lot of other things going on and may not be interested in how much work it takes to actually be really good at the TV gig. And I say that because I remember when we first, when Golf Channel first had Nick Faldo in the booth, and Nick didn't do very much preparation. Nick didn't do very much work. Nick wasn't Nick wasn't a very hard worker when it came to his TV obligations in the very beginning. Now that's completely different. He has he has embraced the role and realized how much work it takes and has you know gone all in as they say. I'm not I don't know Phil. I think Phil would be good. I think Phil would have a lot to say. I'm just not sure if Phil would be interested in doing anything more than the big events. Um, and Tiger, I just I don't think Tiger would be good at it. I don't think Tiger has the personality. I don't. I don't think Tiger would would like like the you know the nuts and bolts and and just the the mundaneness of week in week out Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday seeing the same guys talking about the same things and calling golf on TV. So it'll be interesting. A lot of people have talked about Phil, like you say. He's certainly got the personality for it. Uh, I just wonder whether or not it's something that he really wants to do. Keith, as you know, I've had Ben Wright on the show several times, and I think. He's a guy who paid a very steep price for you know one ins- insensitive remark yeah. about 30 years ago, and in a world where you know so many athletes get second, third, ten chances, he's a guy who never even got a second one. But um, I love the yeah. way that he called golf tournaments, and to me, he just he didn't just state the obvious; he painted a scene for all of yeah. us. I was curious to get your recollections of his work. Yeah, he was amazing. You know, to the very end, and I agree with you, you know, we were kind of in that, those Golf Channel was in the, the early stages of, of being an entity, and those things um, happened, and I think, you know, he got, I think he got a raw deal, He's, he was a great broadcaster, he was a great storyteller, you know, the the words just, you know, whether it was it, the combination of the accent, the knowledge of the game, the passion for the game, it all blended into this, you know, this whimsical this i mean this this musical kind of way that he spoke about golf um that drew the viewer in and and made it you know always fun to watch and then he you know he was a he was a great foil to to mccord and and that whole cbs group uh you know that was a great great mesh of talent um losing ben was you know when he left golf tv that was i thought that was a big loss for the for the business and um you know i'm sorry that he never was able to to find a way back into it because i still think he even today i hear him hear him on your show and i hear him other places and he's still got a ton of stuff to say and um it's just really too bad that kind of that we ostracized ben the way we did and and made it impossible for him to work in the business and keith last time i asked you about players or agents who complained to you about their guy not getting enough airtime, whether it was during a broadcast or enough interviews and that sort of thing. And, <laughs> and after the show, you wish you had told me a story. Do you mind sharing the story that uh, that we talked about afterwards? Yeah, no, I don't mind at all. It was so funny. You know, it was, well, I love to, when I think back on those golf channels, those early golf channel days, it, you know, as we've talked about before, it really was the wild, wild west. And it was that, uh, there was a, it was a place where, 
you know, there were, there were kind of unlimited opportunities for people. And I think back now and, you know, just a couple of names that have, that have become household names, not only in, in golf broadcasting, but in sports broadcasting, Kelly Tillman and Scott Van Pelt both started in the library at the golf channel. I mean, they were, they were the guys that, you know, you walked back there if you needed footage of the 1962 PGA championship, you'd go back to the live, the videotape library and you'd put in a request and hand to Scott Van Pelt and say, you know, go find me this footage, please. And a lot of people I'm sure didn't say please. But um, <laughs> while we were, when we, we were doing tournaments, obviously, and one of the major complaints that we got that came in through the switchboard was you didn't show my son, nephew, brother, sister, you know, my dad played in the, this tournament today and he never got one minute of airtime. You're supposed to be the golf channel. How can you not, you know, how can you not show golf? And so the COO at the time was a gentleman named Gary Stevenson, who has gone on to do a, a number of great things in sports television and television in general. But he had the idea that we should do a, a half hour show at the end of Sunday night and call it the leaderboard report, be a scroll of every single leaderboard from every single tournament around the country set to music. So Scott Van Pelt, the gentleman in the library at the time, was pestering our vice president of production and our senior vice president of production and Gary Stevenson and Joe Gibbs uh, almost on a daily basis that he wanted to be on TV. He wanted to be on air. So Gary finally, to shut Scott up, said, fine, you're going to host this show called Leaderboard Report, and here's your job. You are going to come on the air and say, hello, everybody, I'm Scott Van Pelt, and this is Leaderboard Report, and then we're going to start the music, and we're going to scroll scores for a half an hour. He said, at the end of that half hour, you're going to come on the air, and you're going to say, thanks for watching Leaderboard Report, I'm Scott Van Pelt, and that's it. <laughs> And Scott agreed to these terms until the very first show. So on the first show, they were scrolling the scores from a PGA Tour event. And as the scores went by, Corey Pavin's name came up. And one of the rounds that Corey Pavin shot during the course of that tournament was a 79. And Scott Van Pelt, off the cuff, said, wow, Corey, 79 on Friday. I guess you were sleeping in the garage that night control room cracked up everybody started laughing scott started laughing and then so he took that and ran with it and started making comments and figured that that was going to be the first and last time he ever did the show so he walked into apparently the next day gary told me the story he walked into gary's office expecting to be fired and gary said that was the funniest thing i've ever heard in my life keep doing what you're doing and scott van pelt was a tv star <laughs> <laughs> That's creating opportunity for yourself, going out on a limb, but certainly right. creating an opportunity for yourself. Good yeah. for him. So that was fun. I mean, those were, you know, we had a lot of stories like that. You know, we had, it was a great, it was a great time. It was, uh, it was, those were the, those early years of Golf Channel were some of the best years of my professional life. And the people that I was able to work with and the team that, you know, that put that thing on the air. And it was a, it was a labor of love. And, you know, it was so great to see that channel succeed for Joe Gibbs' sake and, and the, the rest of the talented, a lot of talented people that put their heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears into that effort. It was, uh, it was an ama it was amazing.
Keith, one more before we let you go. And and I'd read an article on womensgolf.com where you talked about of the four golf tours here in the U.S., right? The PGA Tour, the Champions Tour, the Web.com Tour, and the LPGA Tour. That the Web.com and the LPGA are the hardest to produce for live TV. Why is that? Um, I, you know, because it bo- basically it boils down to re- resources. You know, they throw the majority of the money and the resources and the support uh, behind, especially the PGA Tour. And then, you know, the second rung on that ladder is the uh, PGA Tour champions in terms of, you know, the number of volunteers, the information that's given to the to the broadcast team in terms of uh, uh, shot link and, and tracers. And now, you know, we didn't have that back then, but we certainly had this, the scoring, the scoring lines coming into the TV truck. And then the just the resources that the networks put toward those events. You know, the the number of cameras, the number of crew, the number of, of digital video recorders or in the early days tape machines that they had. You know, we were we were televising Nike tour events and buy.com tour events at the time with a third the number of cameras and and crew and half the support staff in terms of what the tour put out um, and trying to still do three hours of television and and make it seem like you were able to get uh, as many golf shots and as many holes covered as you possibly could. So um, I think it really boiled down, you know, my when my justification for saying that was because of, of the resources provided. And then also, you know, when you when you have the, especially the, the nationwide tour, the web.com tour now, you know, you're, you're not dealing with household names. You, you know, it was easy to do a PGA tour event because every time you looked up into a monitor, you saw a face or a swing or a walk you recognized. Every time you looked up into a PGA Tour Champions monitor, it was the same thing. Guys were, you know, you'd followed your entire lives. So you knew what they looked like. You knew how they walked. You knew how they how they waggled the club, that that's who it was. You didn't have to ask somebody who this is. Those early days of the of the Nike Tour on the Golf Channel, you know, we had no idea who who 90% of these people were. So, you know, we were going along and we had, you know, you had to get help. And that's how Jerry Foltz. Jerry Foltz became a broadcaster for me because he started out coming in the truck. Look at, he looked at the 60 TV monitors in the TV truck and told me who the guys were. And so, you know, I mean, it was he was a godsend. And without that kind of, you know, because if you don't know who it is, Chris, you end up staying on the guys that you know. So all of a sudden, a television broadcast where you could show 20 or 30 or 40 players, you end up showing 10 or 12 or 15 because – they're familiar to you, and those are the ones you know. So those are the ones you keep going back and back to, and you stay with them even if they're walking around a shot and not ready to hit a shot because you're too nervous or too scared to go somewhere else because you have no idea who the player is. And, the, you know, the announcers are, are nothing without the producer telling them this is where what hole you're going to and what player you're going to show. So um, I, I think that's the reason I said that. Keith, before we let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, get your books, anticipate number four coming out, and do that whether it's online or it's on social media? Yeah, the easiest way, and thank you for the plug at the beginning of the show, is just to go to KeithHerschland.com. All my books are there. The blog is there. Uh, The move that uh, Sarah and I just made to Colorado Springs has kind of cramped my writing style a little bit, but now that we're getting settled here in Colorado, I'm going to be back and, and posting some things on the blog and and finishing up book number four. So I appreciate the plug and and that's really the easiest way. I'm on Instagram at KHH author. And I'm also at Facebook at Keith Hirschland author, but really the website is 
has a link to all of those things. So KeithHirschland.com is really the best way. Well, Keith, it's always so much fun getting to spend some time with you. I really always treasure the time that you joined me here on the show. I can't thank you enough for continuing to take time out of your night to come back, and uh, I hope you'll do it again soon. You're fantastic, my friend. It's always a pleasure, and I hope I don't talk too much. I feel like I always talk too much. (laughs) (laughs) Not in the slightest. My job is to (laughs) throw a question your way and get back because your stories are always great. So I'm I'm trying to listen just like I'm a golf fan listening to you share the stories. So I appreciate you continuing to do it. Well, it's a great time to be in the business, and you do a a wonderful job of connecting all the dots with golf fans and golf professional players and people in the industry, and uh, your show is always informative and always interesting and always entertaining, so I appreciate the work that you're doing. Ah, Thank you for saying that, Keith. Take care. All the best to you and your lovely wife. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Can't wait. Thanks, Chris. See you, Keith. That is Keith Hirschland. And again, KeithHirschland.com. And the, and the books are absolutely spectacular, folks. You're going to love all three of them. Cause, and they're all different, right? They're in different genres, if you will. So they're all very unique to themselves. And uh, Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, like I say, is, uh, is my favorite book of all time. And uh, the, the memoirs, the stories, and the things that Keith relates for behind the scenes, from being a kid to working with his father in time at ESPN, ESPN2, and then ultimately the Golf Channel is uh, very informative, and uh, I enjoy reading it over and over and over again. So please go online, KeithHirschland.com. You're going to love it. Look forward to that fourth book coming out, hopefully, very, very soon. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, Atlanta, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 